Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of Pasha. My name is Inas Kosana. Thanks for joining us. In today's episode, we talk about masculinity and what it is to be a man. To do this, we look into the work of breakout singer-songwriter from South Africa, Nakane. To get us started is Gibson Ngobe, an associate professor at the University of Zimbabwe. He starts by telling us about why the adage, boys will be boys, is a problem. Unruly and toxic behavior by boys and grown-up men as well has often been brushed aside because boys will be boys. This adage perpetuates negative ideas of the kinds of behaviors that are expected of boys, especially when it comes to aggression and the use of violence. In many instances, unruly behavior by boys is excused because they are biologically wired to act in that way. Moreover, boys will be boys fosters stereotypes in that boys and girls are compelled to learn that certain kinds of ways of being and behaving are allowed for some genders whilst they're not allowed for others. As a result, boys are socialized to normalize that being a man entails getting away with reckless and often irresponsible behaviors. Gibson has analyzed songs, music videos, films, and even a novel from Nakane. Their work challenges the ideas of masculinity. Why did this literature professor choose to study Nakane? Nakane has a very rich and diverse body of, of work musical, literary, and filmic, which allows us to think through what it means to be a man. For example, in the filming label, The Wound, we're shown that there isn't a single definition of manhood or masculinity. The main protagonists present different types and forms of masculinity. The film shows how the rite of passage Urwa Lobo is important in fostering the perpetuation of a certain form of masculinity that is socially idealized. Several scenes in the film highlight that the construction of masculinity involves the use of violence and aggression to assert manliness. In this film, as is the case in Nakane's musical oeuvre, there is a challenging of this kind of thinking. Instead, Nakane's work presents and makes visible marginalized masculine identities. These marginalized masculinities are comfortable in their emotional vulnerability and lack of aggression and machismo. We got Nakane on the line from London to get some more insights into why they've chosen to be so frank about queer and alternative masculinity. Gibson poses a few questions to Nakane. Nakane, can you tell us briefly who you played in the film in labor? and also about the backlash that you faced? In the film in labor, I played a character called Kolani. He's a factory worker who, li- who lives in Queenstown. It happened so long ago that I'm not quite sure about the particulars. He is a man who has sex with men. I think labeling him gay is a little presumptuous because I don't particularly think he's taken in the identity of being gay. And he goes to the mountain to initiate boys into manhood where he's normally joined by another man named Vija, whom he's in love with. And they sort of rekindle their love affair yearly every time they go to the mountain. The film is a film I'm proud of. And when it came out, there was backlash. There were death threats, articles, people talking about how much they didn't like the film, even though a lot of them didn't see it. Having said that, although there was the backlash, there was also quite a lot of support which didn't get as much press as 
the backlash, of course, because good news doesn't sell, well, news. <laughs> but um, the backlash, of course, started out as something small and ended up being something national and mainstream. And I believe and I hope, I'm right in this belief, that it started a conversation about toxic masculinity, um, homophobia, in spaces of concentrated toxic masculinity. You are a role model to a lot of young people who are yours. It's tricky thinking of yourself as a role model because when, when you start to internalize that, it's sort of, I, don't know, I find it a little bit problematic because everyone is flawed. But having said that, the people I looked up to were my mother and my aunts. They were singers that I loved and, and people that I wanted to sing like. So a lot of women when I grew up, you know, my music teacher was a woman, my drama teacher in high school was a woman. So a lot of women who were not particularly interested in changing who I was, but really emboldened me in the kind of human being I was and, and the artist that I would become. And then outside of those people there are people like James Baldwin who changed my life completely because up until then I'd never really seen any black queer people who were open about their sexuality and yet looked like me and had families that were similar to mine so that completely revolutionized how I saw myself in the world and it also you know, comforted me and told me that I was not alone in the world. What can you tell us about your forthcoming album in relation to this expression of your masculinity? My next album is finished, finally. I'm really excited about it. I think imagery has always been something that was important to me. And it's something that's always been important in all aspects of pop music, whether people realize it or not. Actually, not even just pop music, in all, in all life. How we are perceived visually, sometimes, you know, people deal with you in a certain way because of what you dress like or how you behave. And having explored a very flowery and sort of soft image with Brave Confusion and You'll Not Die, I mean, Brave Confusion, the first album, the imagery was really soft, but also quite self-loathing. Whereas with You'll Not Die, the image was very feminine, and glamorous and performative in its glamour. I'm interested in exploring something that sort of wavers now, you know, and something that's quite aggressive in its femininity, but also in its masculinity. Playing along, playing, playing with the spectrum, which I believe I'm always just sort of going left, right, up, down, around, around, you know, as an unbinary person. So I really want to explore that. You obviously made a conscious choice to express yourself in your music videos. How have you used them for your message? In regards to music videos, from the very beginning with my first collaboration with Mark Middlewick, who directed my first music video for Fog and then In the Dark Room, and then The Plague, and then lastly he directed Interloper. We knew that we didn't want our music videos to just be advertisements for the songs, which in effect is what music videos are. We also wanted them to be somewhat performance pieces, to be mediums of their own that could stand on their own. And so that meant that 
the music video was not just attached to the song and something to sell the song, but could be something that could be watched and that people could get information about the song and about the kind of person that I am, the world I believe in, uh, the, world I don't, the world I don't believe in, etc., etc., through these music videos. So they became exercises in creating worlds and creating little films, little three-minute, four-minute films that we could allow people into, I guess, our world. Nakani's work shows that men should not be raised to be aggressive fighters. It is possible for men to be in touch with their emotions and men do not need in any way to be violent to assert their masculinity or manliness. Through music and film, Nakane has chosen to show the world a different kind of masculinity. Their work says there are many different ways of being a man. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Pasha, produced by Ozea Patel and Shaw Blichner. From me, Inas Kosana, goodbye.